Welcome to the No Ideas Original Podcast featuring Shanam, Mr. Rob, and Zane. And today we are joined by the sixth man of the year, Ken. What's up, man? Hey, how you doing, man? I'm so happy to be here, man. Yeah, I was talking to um, I was talking to Rob the other day, and I told Rob, I'm like, can y'all don't feel it? He's like, yo, y'all got to get the sixth man of the year award. Put a yeah. feeling. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on it. Oh, Never needed up there. Yeah. Yeah, we got a, we got quite a few topics that we're gonna be discussing today. You know, current events, some stuff that we probably a little behind on, but nonetheless still worthy of a discussion. So let's get right into it. You know, the first thing we're gonna talk about is hate crime reports surge the highest level in twelve years. What do you attribute that to? What do you think I that's mean, about? You know what's funny about that? I, I was thinking about it from, from a couple of ways. I mean I do think it's probably some, still some residual stuff going on from the, the last presidential presidential regime where people still feel some kind of way. But on top of it being more, is it that we use social media more? Is it that it could be the same as just being more reported or more publicized? Because I think I think everything seems to be more out in the open now, out front in the open. It, it might be that a combination that there is more or it might just be more reported. Yeah, I, you know, I see you make a good point because I think that the only thing that's really changed is probably the transparency issue around things. Like, things are more transparent. And I think there is a heightened level of awareness that we, we came off of. I, I wonder if there was no pandemic going on during, like, all the George Floyd stuff and everything, would it have received the same, the same type of coverage? Because everybody was in a position where we were forced to sit still and we had to listen to everything that was going on in terms of Black Lives Matter. And then we went right off of coming from Black Lives Matter to everything with the, the venom that was spewed as it relates to COVID. And I think yeah. the agents kind of caught the back end of that. But I don't know if I don't know if, if if hate crime is up or just awareness. Yeah. Like it's probably just that people are more aware and people are more hyper hypersensitive to everything that's going on. I think it's I think it's like what you said, everybody had to sit down and pause for a minute. And what's it? Mean, that was what very readily available for people to see. So now, you know, more people's eyes are open to the situation. Now, I mean, just looking at it, I, I don't see it decreasing. Like, I don't see anything happening that's gonna like, turn buck the trend or turn it around. Because once you open Pandora's box, it's kind of like you know hard to bring it back. I mean, some of the stuff I think eventually, the um, you know, some of the Asian hate from the virus stuff will probably probably slow down or something mm-hmm. I think that I think that people are starting to understand more and more that 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 was that was misguided to begin with but I yeah. think as far as like the you know that the, the general African-American stuff that's been going for years and I I mean I don't think that's gonna change too much or it's not changing at a pace that really would listen really affect people's mindset yeah you know, I guess the other thing, like my thing when you start talking about these stats, like I think there are stats about stats for stats. And I think people know how to juke the numbers around the stats also, right? So all of these things may have been occurring before, but maybe you didn't get wrote up as a hate crime, yeah. you know? And now all of a sudden, because there's a magnifying glass on this stuff, and again, because everybody's hypersensitive, now it comes into play where people are watching a lot more closely around these things. And they're saying like, okay, so this, this now constitutes a hate crime you know for all we know and I, this is speculation for all we know there could be um more federal funds allocated to police forces if they report that they're you know hate crimes are on an uptick for different task force and stuff like that because 
now you see the, the the media coverage of it. I know a lot of people, a lot of people were extremely upset about how they felt the federal government was so responsive to the um the the, the Asian hate crime stuff, you know, and yeah. that this dude signed the executive order and everything. And one of the things I would say to people, you know, that was like, well, black people been going through this forever. I'm like, you notice executive orders are something that could be wiped out when the next person come in. They could sign yeah. an executive order, you know, doing away with the previous executive order and that's why they was pushing for the george floyd bill but i just to bring that all back around i just you know i just say like i think that we we are now in a time where there's levels of hypersensitivity around this stuff and there's so much exposure whether it's social media the regular media and it's a hot topic so now every time you turn on the news and you see somebody going upside somebody head sadly it just holds a lot more weight <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you, I mean, you you see it, and then and, and people are, are sensitive to it. Everybody's aware to it, mm-hmm. and and when you look at it, like some of the stuff, like even things that don't directly relate to race, like different your individual races and stuff, actually stimulate more hate. Because if you think about it from a minority perspective, look at how that whole storming of the Capitol was hand, handled, mm-hmm. and how many people have you heard? say something to the effect like if that was a black person what would happen you know if they stormed the capitol so you know you look at those things or something and and it kind of like we're saying get, get people even more fired up because they see that well look at these guys they go storm the capitol you still haven't heard about anybody really getting arrested they got arrested any real time or anything like that so you, you, you got other things going on that, that stem it too like right i think they're having another one of those things and they're actually building a fence around the Capitol now to prevent yeah. people from doing that. Yeah, yeah. You know, to me, that's one of the things that I think that Donald Trump's presidency really really did a, a, a good job of, of demonstrating how polarized and, you know, how polarized we are as a country and as people. Like, you know, the division has always existed, I think, between liberals and conservatives. But to me, I think he came in and like Nas say he ultra black. This dude was like, he wasn't ultra conservative in the sense of his his viewpoints, but he was ultra conservative. Like he was like ride or die, whatever is conservative, this is what we doing. And I think that just that created a divide and a wedge where his supporters and his base believe like anything that he said to a T. Like if he told them this is the China flu, then there's people now out here assaulting Asian people under that you know if he tell them you know well they stand on an election from me then there's people that they going to storm the capital with a with a with a vengeance and you know like i don't i know and i feel like he fanned the flames and i know that they attempted to do the um the impeachment and 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 get him on that they weren't able to prove it but i i feel like that he incited a lot of this stuff even beyond the capital like even just just the rhetoric the rhetoric is divisive you know, like, it's, and you think about it, like, yo, for years, these same people have been critical of Farrakhan. Talking yeah. about Farrakhan, you know, all this hate rhetoric. But this dude pretty much came in and became the president and did the same thing. The the scariest, the scariest thing about it, too, is the fact that he didn't get impeached, which qualifies him to be able to run again. And yeah. I mean, looking at the situation now, and I mean, I think there's a lot of disdain for the stuff that Biden's doing as far as withdrawing troops and all this different stuff. So, I mean, there's a, a realistic chance that he could possibly get reelected. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of people that, that that I've heard that have been extremely critical of like 
Biden's early, early on stuff. And like, has Biden made some missteps? I think so. But I think it's also easy to lose sight of that Biden is still in year one, you know? And I think there's a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of undoing. Think There's a lot of undoing that he has to do. And I think the other thing is that Democrats don't go to the mat as hard as they should. And in this, you know, in Congress, like I think that they need, they have to figure out this filibuster thing because yeah. even with them having the majority, you, you know, like there's, there's really nothing that they could do that they're handcuffed on it. So I think that a combination of him and a combination of the um the the, the Senate, like they have they have to figure some of this stuff out. Like even with you know talking about like what you're saying, like the the Afghanistan stuff. Like remember around the time of 9/11, that was the wave around hate crime. You know, yeah. attacking Afghan at people that are Muslims. You know, so it just. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know if now they're being more transparent and the data is out there. I don't know if this feeds into the news cycle or everything that we, we, we constantly being given as it relates to race and everything. And, you know, I'm sure probably you could lump LGBT in that, that, that bucket also in terms of hate crime, you know, in terms of what people have been subjected to. So who, who knows, you know, I mean, I'm not, it's, it's, it kind of goes back to what you said. Like, I, I think that this has been going on for black people in America forever. And I don't know if in our lifetime, as far as we concern, it's rising every year. Yeah, I, I do think there's some validity to what you said as far as these different um, police groups and special task force. So it kind of directly correlates with the whole idea of people saying defund the police and stuff like mm -hmm. that. You make these new task force and you fund those. So you're not really defunded and you just shifted the funds around or something. Yeah, and I think that is a lot of people missed that miss missed that point and didn't understand that the, the funding the police wasn't about start cutting police jobs and everything. It was about re reallocate the the money to be more effective. Yeah, you know. So I, I I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully they could actually truly address hate crime instead of just using it as another thing to lead on the news. Yeah, I don't know if you um had a chance to see the entirety of the Drink Champs episode or saw the clip of it where. Nori, Mickey Fax, yeah, and um, DJ EFN. D DJ EFN, we had on the podcast. He's a great dude. Where Nori referred to the war affiliates as flunkies, Flunky. and somebody mentioned Shaheem also. So, it's, you know, I understand how initially Shaheem was upset about the comic. And I think Nori ended up having a conversation with Killer Priest about it. And it seems like Killer Priest and Nori worked through whatever their dilemma was. Yeah. But that didn't seem to be suffice for Shaheen. But Shaheen's another dude we had on the podcast. Good dude, you know, starting to go back to making his music and getting the buzz up again and everything. So now there's a rift inside, I don't know if you say Wu-Tang or War Affiliates camp between Shaheen and Killer Priest because Shaheen feels as if Killer Priest kind of let them off, you know, easy. And the irony of this, though, is that both of them, both Shaheen and Killer Priest have had separate conversations with Nori and the drink champs crew and they seem to have moved past it so i don't know what's your take on this you know how do you how do you think shaheem and killer priest can resolve this is this something that can be resolved i mean i think it could be easily resolved i think because one thing I, I was re i was watching the um the shaheem response to to um to to, to priest's um conversation with nori saying that they just they just played him he didn't even get an apology or something. I mean, I watched the watched the Nori thing, and he did apologize. He's like, if you know, if you said anything that offended him anyway, mm -hmm. he apologized. But I think, 
I think that was him. Shaheem seemed like he felt like like Priest just gave you know gave in too quickly. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what did he have to gain by not giving in quickly? I mean, he invited him on the show, which is something that's probably big for them. It's a really big show, a big opportunity. I, I mean, personally, I don't think he would have got invited otherwise. Yeah. He invited Shaheem on the show too. Mm-hmm. Another person that I think, like you said, is rebuilding his career that I don't think would have got invited otherwise. I mean, granted, was him. I mean, if you listen to it, Nori wasn't the one that added Shaheem. No, I'm added. Yeah, that was EFN and Nicky Fox. My thing is the crazy thing is that they seem to take just as much. They take so much offense with Nori. What if nobody say like Mickey Fax and Effin and all this stuff? Like they Effin, they obviously said something, but Mickey Fax, he just like walked away from it. Yo, Mickey Fax is paying restitution though now. You ain't hear he got a new track with Shaheen? What? Yeah, he on a new track with Shaheen. I ain't gonna front the track is fire too. Like somebody <laughs> said that he's spitting for his life on that track. Like they, it's, it's on Instagram. Yeah, I, what's the name on um, Shaheen? I kind of, when I first seen his initial response to it, I'm like, yo, Shaheen kind of going too hard. Like, yeah, he, he demanded monitor, monetary compensation yeah. or something. I'm like, yo, what are you going you to call Selena on Bonds? <laughs> like, I mean, what is, like, realistically, I, I mean, he called him a flunky or something. I mean, it could have been, I mean, been worse. I mean, it, it could have been realistically or something like, if, if, I mean, if Nori's a nice guy. He could have looked at the other way. He's like, listen, you know, when's the last time somebody said your name? Yeah. <laughs> it was, you know what it is? People said that he, he sitting up there. They said Nori's sitting around getting drunk, that they hit him drunk and just saying, saying whatever it is. But to, you know, to Nori's credit, he apologized. You know, yeah. I thought an apology would suffice to both of them or to all of them and to extend that olive branch to have them come on and promote yeah. whatever it is that they do. I know Killer Priest does a, um, a podcast also. Yeah. So to have them come on and talk to me, I thought that was that was fair enough. I don't know what Shaheem is looking for out of it, but I'm hoping that Shaheem and Killer Priest can, can reconcile because to me, I see, it just, to me, like, why do you need a riff in a camp over something like that? Like, you, you started out and Drink Champs was the common enemy. And now, because one person said, you know, I'm gonna let bygones be bygones. Like, even if Shaheen felt that way, I feel like he could have probably spoke to Killer Priest behind closed doors about it. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at you look at these two guys and stuff like that, I mean, both of them are trying to do certain things. I mean, Shaheen's trying to get back in the music, Killer Priest doing his podcast. I mean, even, I'm sure even when they perform, because they all wore affiliates and stuff, they probably get on the same villains a lot of time and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, I mean, this is somebody that he he's probably interacting with, you know, fairly. It's not like he's not interacting with him. Yeah. Why you why do you even have these type of issues? You gotta continue to interact with him because that's part of the way probably how you make money. Yeah. So you might as well just, just let that situation go. Both of you would be better off going on drink jams, talking about it or something, talk about something else. What do I mean? And for no on Nori's side or something, like you said, Nori drinks, laughs, jokes or something. I mean, he says a lot of stuff about a lot of people. I, not everybody's, you know, likes what he says. They're not the only people or something. I mean, and it's not like he only talks about small people. You know, he talks about big guys too, different like things that he heard and stuff like that. Like, I mean, just to talk about real quick, um, I don't know, did you see the Cameron episode? I did. Yeah, yeah Cameron's like, I really wasn't messing with you because somebody in your camp said this. Yeah, 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 I saw that. 
So there's a lot of things he said. He's like, I said it, I didn't say it, I don't remember or whatever. But yeah, you can't get really too too upset. That's just part of the stick of the show too. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I get it. I know Nori's sitting up there and it makes for good entertainment. I, the funniest part about all this also is that I was reading like Nori's comments and reading Shaheen's comments after this stuff. To, to me, that's like a lot of the stuff that transpired, the actual content is not nearly as good as seeing the people's response and reading the comments oh, and stuff yeah. that I have to say. And you know, a lot of people was coming for Nori. Like, you know, you, you, know, you talk about your show is giving people their flowers. But you're here calling them flunkies. I wonder, honestly, I wonder if people would have really, if Shaheen didn't really bring it to the forefront, if it wasn't highlighted, if people would have just went, would it let it gloss over and wouldn't have anything to say about it. I, I think so. I, I don't think that, I mean, I, um, obviously for Shaheen was a personal thing because it was in relation to him, but. I don't think anybody really would have said anything about it because it's not it's not really something in the public eye or something like they would have just let it glaze through and go and go by. Mm-hmm. Now listen now eventually you know you have people people that say stuff like and he comes as he comes out with music and comes back up somebody like wait a minute is that the dude that no he called a flunky yeah. you know that type of stuff but realistically I mean. When you when you when you talk when you talk to, talk to these guys, so I remember somebody was saying, "Well, I think Killer Priest was telling them about being socially responsible or something like that, or yeah, what he says and stuff like that." I mean, yeah. and, and the whole giving people the flowers and stuff like that. I mean, I think that I think it's like it's almost like giving out like people want the flowers, but there's not a participation award either. Where everybody should be just be we just gonna just celebrate everybody who ever made a song or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, look, at the end of the day, Shaheen leveraged it into getting on the show to promote whatever it is he wants to promote. So the nature of their show is going to be probably what about like the, the well, Shaheen has a story because we interviewed him, you know, so he yeah. can talk about his history in hip hop. He can talk about being incarcerated. He can talk about what he's working on now. But yeah. I'm sure what will drive that episode will be the discussion about the conflict that they had. And I, I, I don't, you know, I, maybe because I'm not Shaheen, so it doesn't resonate as much with me, and I'm not as offended, but I could see how a dude like Killer Priest would just be like, all right, he apologized, whatever, keep it moving. Yeah. You know, so hopefully they can work it out, though, because to me, I, I you know, I think that uh, Wu-Tang has a lot of momentum, especially with um, season two coming yeah. back on, even though the affiliates are not necessarily in it. But I think just what just that umbrella of even being labeled Wu Tang affiliate, you know, like a lot of people got a look for being associated with Wu Tang. So I, I'd hate to see them ruin a second look. Yeah. You know. What are your thoughts on this stuff with McDonald's? When McDonald's considering closing indoor dining due to the Delta variant. Do you think that's good or bad for them? I, I give them credit because I think it's definitely socially responsible because I, I know just from being in downtown Manhattan, people were being at McDonald's, the line, the seats, like, packed in there, like, I, you know, you know how you go to McDonald's and you see that sign where it says a certain amount of capacity? Mm-hmm. Those McDonald's and, like, in, say, downtown Manhattan stuff were packed to capacity at times. Wow. And you're talking about, like, spread, you know, spreading the thing, like, going to pick up a cheeseburger as a super spreader event or something. Mm-hmm. So, them closing it down and not allowing people to sit is, is being socially responsible. Plus, I don't think they'll lose any money on it. I think that people will still go. And I think I think it's unfortunate in some cases, like if you live kind of like in the suburbs, 
they closed the diner thing that kind of limits it to people who have cars because I don't know if they have those walk up windows everywhere. So that might be an issue. Yeah. So, yeah, in terms of McDonald's, like I think McDonald's may have got a just getting a jump start on becoming automated because I don't, you know, unless you really want to have your kids in a germ infested ball pit, you know, it, is sitting in a McDonald's like a really great experience? Maybe somewhere. I mean, I don't, I, I grew up in a city, in New York City. And it wasn't like it was a, a, a like a, a, a fine, like fine dining. You're not eating Michelin star. Yeah, I, I don't think there's no no place that you really want to sit down to, unless you have to. And I, I think you're right about the automation. That the, the, the it's great for McDonald's and bad for people to some extent because Child what's going to happen is like in the in the Walmart near me, they have a big screen where you can actually you can actually customize the food and everything like you pick something you customize the sandwiches yeah. and the moves stuff and all types so it's like and like you said they you, you can pay at that thing too you pay that and you get a receipt and you just go pick it up yeah. eventually how many people they're gonna need to do to do that part of it so. the, I, you know the irony of this is for years they mocked the person at what that did what at mcdonald's the person yeah. that was on the fries right yeah you on the fries the person on the fries might be the only person they need now you want the prize and you hand the money, but eventually they may figure out some way to bring the money, the bring the um, not the money, the food, some way to transport the food to the person without even needing, you know, like you go to the bank. Chase got the same thing going on where they got the super ATMs also, where everything you could do with a teller, you could do with the super ATM. You know, it, it reduces the workforce. So I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I just feel like that McDonald's, if they do do it, they're ahead of the curve. And I think it's consistent with like a lot of other places that they realize with the pandemic that do we really need a physical location? Do we need a brick and mortar to do business? You know, so you cut, you reduce in the overhead. The only issue that I, not issue, but the only thing that I've noticed recently, I don't know if you've experienced this, there's been a lot of remodeling of McDonald's. I've seen a lot of, a lot of remodeling, so I don't know if they're going to take a hit on that because they spent money to do all that remodeling and now nobody's going to be in there their dining rooms, but I, I've never seen anybody really be gung-ho or get super excited about sitting in McDonald's and actually eating their food. No, I think, like you said, there is a lot of remodels going on everywhere. And I do think eventually they'll come up with some, some different technologies as far as, like, even having a burger shoot or something where, some kind of thing where yeah. they come down, because it's, it's probably not hard to do. I mean, I, I think that, that if you look at it, well, McDonald's burgers are not even fried. I think they're steamed or something or in a drawer or something crazy. Yeah, so. yeah they are. They steam, they steam in the, like all that food is pretty much steamed in the drawer. Yeah. Only one probably fried is the fries and, you know, like the Chinese restaurant cook more than McDonald's. Yeah, so you don't have to, you don't have to have many people back there. Like you said, the only person that's cooking is the fry guy. Mm -hmm. You take those steamed burgers instead of leave them in the drawer, just the burger, wrap the bread and the paper on it. And just slide it down a strip or something. So yeah. I, I could see something like that coming coming or something in, in the future. But yeah. I mean, right, I think the pandemic helped them get a jump on it. And a lot of a lot of other businesses probably realize like the real business is not in the building, the business is the business. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the the other thing I guess that this is where you this is where you can tell like Fortune five hundred companies and the, the CEOs and the people that they got behind them because a lot of people don't realize McDonald's, McDonald's itself, McDonald's makes their money in real estate, you know, in franchising and stuff like that. That's where the real money is. So when you start talking about not having physical people in, I guess they probably feel like, who cares? You still got about a franchise license. 
to sell and distribute all the stuff and the trademark and all that. So they they not missing a beat with this. And it comes across like you started by saying that like, you know what, it's socially responsible. You're doing the right thing. You yeah. you're being considerate that you're not spreading COVID. But at the end of the day, like I, I I'm just being real with you. Like I think if McDonald's was McDowell's and it was a small <laughs> relied on that, I don't know if they'd be that willing to be like, yo, I'm gonna close my my indoor dining because a lot of restaurants took a hit during the pandemic. You know who restaurant closed during the pandemic? Um, the lady on Channel Five, Rosanna Scotto. Oh yeah. Yeah, like she had a uh, an Italian restaurant, her and I think her father for many years, and I think they closed as a result of the pandemic. Oh wow. You know, think about all the places that prior to the pandemic had no takeout option. You yeah. know, no delivery, and then people start realizing, like, you know what, maybe. We do need to have takeout. Maybe we do need to work with Uber Eats or Post, Post what is it, Postmates or whatever yeah. it is to get it done. So yeah, so McDonald's is McDonald's is ahead of the curve on this. Yeah, I think some of the restaurants and stuff like you said that I think a lot of people were late adopters to a lot of things, caught on late and stuff like that. Like um, doing the ordering, like some places got smart, like they started changing laws where people could actually buy drinks in plastic cups and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But in the pandemic, if you didn't adapt quickly, you was you pretty much were starting to go under. And a lot of places, like you got a lot of places going under and stuff. And like like you were saying with McDonald's with the franchise thing or something, that was and that's almost like having one of those taxi medallions or something. Yeah. They don't care with how much money you make at the cab. You bought the medallion already, so. Yeah, yeah. So McDonald's is staying. You know, McDonald's gonna win regardless. Like the. The branding alone behind it, and that's why I said like, it's really when you think about McDonald's, who we could poll fifty people, and out of those fifty people, I wonder how many people will probably say that they go to McDonald's for the dining. The dining, yeah. You know, it's not it's not really that big of a deal. And with all the health awareness and stuff, you know, who's gonna put that? Even prior to COVID, people were screaming about them those ball pits and those yeah. the germ infested. So, <laughs> yo, who's gonna put their kids? And then now, like they're not, they're not losing anything. The dining room has been reduced significantly anyway because they put the kiosk up to, to yeah. get automated and to get to reduce the amount of staff. So you know, yeah, jobs are gonna be cut, and they're not gonna need as many people. The only places you see McDonald's really filled up in the dining area is next to high schools. It's a hang, yeah, it's a hangout spot. Hangout. Yeah, that's it. There's no other reason why you even see people in there. Like most of the people are getting the food and leaving, but. It's yeah. a hangout area, but other than that, nobody's looking to go into McDonald's and sit down for no fine dining at McDonald's. Yeah, I don't know how true it is, but did you hear that they said that R. Kelly used to cruise the McDonald's in Chicago? <laughs> I, I can believe that. Well, when he got out of jail, the first thing he wanted was two Big Macs. So, <laughs> yeah, he wanted to go to McDonald's when they let him out. That's the first place he went was the McDonald's, so that might be a place he well, used to the high school kids hang out there, and that's kind of his thing, so... <laughs> you and McDonald's R. Kelly show up regularly. Oh man, is it when he, well when he got out before? Because he's still locked up now, right? No, nah, when he got out before, in between, like he went to McDonald's. That was the first place he went to McDonald's. I guess he wanted to see who was still shaking on the block. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, let me see who's still popping in the in the hood. Oh yeah, that dude is wild. Yo, China is reducing video game time to three hours a week. Do you think this is good or bad? 
I mean, I think it's, I think it's, well, I think it's good for kids, but I think it's bad for the economy since they're the ones who produce all the games. Like, <laughs> it's kind of counterproductive. Like, listen, we don't want y'all playing video games. We're gonna keep making them. Maybe they play a plan is to sell them to other countries more than their own because because mm-hmm. they know America's consume entertainment. Yeah, three hours is still kind of extreme because I know they go to school longer, but they don't go to school seven days a week. Like, can't even play on the, the weekends or something. Or three That's hours. The, the only time you could play, I think, is I think they said on a holiday for an hour, and on the weekend, Saturday one hour and Sunday, one hour. You know the problem with that too is I think they're confused. Like, I think well maybe they might be able to do it. So let's think of it in terms of like a mind. Just because I tell you. You not can't play video games. That doesn't mean you're gonna do something necessarily productive with that time. Mm-hmm. So you can't play video games. You gonna take away the cell phone too? They they can't talk on the phone or they can't listen. Can't do instant messaging and be on social media. So it's, it's not like listen. Maybe in China they could say, okay, we're gonna fill up this time with something else. But yeah, with productivity, how's gonna help? Yeah, you talking about a communist country though? Like, isn't Facebook or something social media over there? Some place, yeah, that's bad. You know, so I, I'm sure they could figure out a way to to regulate it. To me, when I first heard this, I was like, yo, this this really this really is why China be kicking our butt when it comes to things like engineering and stuff oh, like that yeah. <laughs> because they're like, yo, our time is better suited doing these kind of things. It is counterintuitive though if you're the person who you produce. The video games but you don't want people playing them but you know what i'm sure they probably realize america is probably the biggest consumer oh, of yeah. video games so their market is not going to be hurt like three hours to me a week is excessive i think yeah. i think that's excessive but then i was thinking about i'm like damn well, when we was kids i don't know if we paid because when we were kids there was video gaming was different in a sense that in order for you to actually game with your friends they had to physically be there yeah you know and most of the time you spend time with your friends you were in the park playing basketball baseball yeah. football hanging out or whatever so the reality of it is like did we did we play three hours we probably paid played around that amount of time yeah. a that's, week. That's, that's back when people used to go outside yeah we we, we was we only played maybe three hours three hours of time it was you think about it, you wasn't playing on Saturdays. Because Saturday, everybody was out the whole day. Yeah. I mean, you might play like maybe late, late or something, or for mm-hmm. a couple of minutes. But it was, oh, excuse me. But realistically, you just were. It wasn't no time in your schedule to find to play video games all the time. But mm-hmm. like you were saying, America's the biggest consumer nation. They making a lot of money right now because they got to figure they got NFL 2K come 2K22 coming out, NBA 2K22. They making a killing right now in America. So I just I mean I, I look it's it, it's it's with good intentions that they doing it, and I understand like because I, I honestly I believe in this country like there needs to be some limits set around video gaming. I feel like video gaming is highly addictive and. You look at you look at it, and ban- and we should say also that that ban applies to children. Adults are free, I guess, to play as much as they they want. But you look at it like kids easily get consumed by games, and I think that there is a direct correlation between these video games and obesity and things like that. And the video games they understand that. That's why before, remember the big push was get the Nintendo Wii or the Nintendo yeah. uh, trackpad and all that to try to integrate physical fitness into it. You know, but. The reg the regulation of the games, I think if they ever tried to do that in America, it would have to be more than three hours a week. I just don't think that it's feasible to think that 
kids in America will be able to keep it to three hours a week. Um, but you know what? Maybe if they were able to do it, then people would actually, you know, social interaction would increase. Conflict resolution skills would improve also. And China is on to something with this. If you look at the phones now, all the phones have screen time too to tell people how long they've been yeah. on, on the phone because they realize that now people have become like you said addicted to the phone and they spend all that time on the phone when we interviewed the dude with the social media app b perk one of the things with his apps that he was saying is that the app has a, a, a built-in timer that after you've been on it for a certain period of time it shuts down and kind of closes it. it locks itself up and you have to enter a code to open it up or whatever because they don't want people to become obsessed with the app or obsessed with yeah. social media and never could pull himself away from it. So China, I guess, you know, China being very extreme with it, but I see where they're attempting and trying to go. I don't agree with three hours a week though. The, the craziest thing is is they have a statistic on what the average age of a gamer is. And I, I, I find this, I mean, it's crazy. I would say 30 something. 34 years old is the average age of a gamer. Yeah, like 30 something. So I'm sitting here like, okay, like you said, it's not gonna really affect this, this the kids, but imagine, but like, what level of productivity could you have at 34 years old and spending most of your life on a video game? I mean, I'm sure yeah. it has a correlation with things like divorce rate, kids, what's the kids? I mean, what, what do you, you get like, they, I was even reading something where they're talking about the guy, the average person that's playing the game has kids owns a home or is in a home like mm-hmm. no that's what i said i'm like yeah if i had to guess i know i'm like yeah that's 30 that gotta be 30 something because games are different now all of the games look at what people are playing the sports call of duty um what is it sports call of duty and there's another red dead red damn red damn dawn or something like that like all these different games that the people are playing those are adult themed games they know that adults uh, 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 turning it on and look at the cost of games before it used to be a big deal if you pay $40 you know this, this game is $40 or whatever I don't I don't haven't bought like one of them games in a long time but I'd imagine the Madden or something like that probably got to be like $69.99 I can tell you what's crazy is that 2k the the new one mm-hmm. if you want like the, the features is a hundred dollars yeah see it's a hundred dollars for it they give like what they do is this how they give people they sell a regular version that's like $69.99. And then they get people that go and buy all that extra stuff, like the characters and all that other stuff. Yeah. Or they sell a version with most of that stuff in it. But it's like, it could grow from anywhere between $70 to $100 easy. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if, if America was interested in actually adopting this philosophy or this policy, I think, I don't know if they would be able to get away with three hours. Uh, a week. I think it's more practical. Even this is stretch saying that, but I think it's more practical to say an hour, you know, an hour a day. Yeah. You know, things for people, you know. And then there are parents that attempt to try to regulate it by telling their kids, well, you can't play until the weekends or you can't play until you're done with your homework yeah. or whatever it is. But, yo, know, them video games could be a huge source of, huge source of contention, you know. And remember, yo, know, we played video games before there was a pause button. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. Like, no, the games are, yeah. So you had to be you had to be on there. You you literally had to be on from start to finish. You I know? Mean, one thing about the video games too that's different now too. A lot of people, regular people make money off of stuff like just playing the game. Mm-hmm. People watch people play games. Walkthroughs and stuff. All yeah. types of like sites and blogs and 
you know, mm -hmm. all types of stuff involving video games. So, I mean, they also cutting down on possible revenue for people because now you lost an audience or something. I mean, you must be three hours a week. I want, I gotta choose to play the game. I can't watch the game. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, that's true. You would, you, you would think. I'm sure that I, you know, I'd be interested in the monitor and see how China handles. Um, handles this to see how they they regulate but i feel i got a feeling that china will do a better job at regulating something like this than america will because china is far more far more disciplined than we are so i want to introduce this new segment that um that we were talking about um and I, I i think i think it'll be dope you know the the, the new segment is called gimme five and you know we're gonna from time to time periodically in different shows ask people on the show to give us five or whatever it is. So it could be, you know, give us Denzel's five best movies, your opinion. Give us, um, you know, the, the, the five best basketball teams all time, whatever it is. But for this particular episode, I think a good way to, to, to kick it off or to start off is I wanna know your, your five records. So here's the scenario, you're a DJ, and they tell you you only have five records to play. You don't know who your audience is in terms of where they're from, how old they are, race, ethnicity, any of that. And you're tasked with rocking the party with those five records. Give me five. Give me your five. So when I when and I tell, thought, and tell me why you picked each, each record. You're you're alive. So when I thought about this, uh, the fact that you said you don't know who the crowd is and demographic and stuff, I started thinking about artists that kind of appeal. To, to multiple multiple audiences and then you, when you look at it it's like a broad base of artists that do similar type stuff mm -hmm. so one of the one of the things is Pitbull that time of my life song with Neo that's a good one yeah I think that was saying people people listen that's kind of universal mm -hmm. you see it get played at places like sporting events and different mm -hmm. stuff like that so that one yeah that's I a really that that's, one, I didn't think of that that's a really that's a really good one yeah now this one's a little different, but I think people people like that. Um, DMX, y'all gonna make me lose my mind up in here. Party up, back there. Yeah, yeah. You got that, that goes. Um, Rihanna, we found love. The listen to Dirt with Calvin Harris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, that's a good one. What about that? What about Star Boy by the Weekend? Oh, Zane would love that. And I think, listen, depending on the age group, the Michael Jackson don't stop till you get enough. Yeah. It's funny you got Mike listed, because I got Mike as one from one of mine. I got up with Michael Jackson Rock with you. Yeah. Um, Just because I, I feel like Mike is somebody that just, tra he transcends generations, yeah. ethnicity, religion, race, whatever it is, I think everybody likes. Mike kind of got like almost like the modern day Bob Marley appeal where everybody is like, I, 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 I yeah. go with Mike. I pick, um, in the same vein as you, I picked, I thought about, okay, what's something I hear at sporting events? What's something that I've been to other countries and seen people play and people respond to it? So the songs that I picked were, um, were that. And then I also thought about like um, stuff that if a person was young, potentially their parents may have played it or they've heard it at family gatherings. Yeah. So I put uh, Michael Jackson, Rock With You. I put um, Shakira, Hips Don't Lie. Yeah, yeah. I put um, Ma Maria Maria, Carlos Santana. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I put um, Let's Groove, Let's Groove Tonight, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. And I put that because I think that, 
again, to me, that's one of those songs that even for a younger person, you may not know who Earth, Wind & Fire is, but if you've been to the family cookout or, or you've been anywhere, you know, around older people, you've probably heard that song. And yeah. I think Earth, Wind & Fire is a band that outside of the States is they they recognizable. Yeah, like they, they have they have the branding in place that would allow them to um to transcend beyond the states like you, you to me i think that you could probably go somewhere in the middle east the middle east and play that song and people are like oh okay yeah i like that and then this one i picked i was on the fence with i was like eh, I, don't, I don't know because i felt like i needed something that that i felt like i needed something that was hip-hop but it wasn't hip-hop <laughs> Like you, you know, like the songs that you like. All right, I got. Yeah. You know what? An example of hip hop, but not hip hop, is MC Hammer. Can't touch this. Yeah. Right. That's the song. Yeah. But I didn't pick that. Okay. <laughs> hip hop oriented, but people don't count it as hip hop. But so I picked um DJ Cool. Let me clear my throat. Because yeah. I think that's one of those part, one of those participation records that he's not really saying anything about anything. But I could see like if you're a person that's a hip hop person that go to parties. You would be like, oh, okay, DJ Cool, let me clear my throat. And if you're a person who is a casual hip hop person or just a person who don't like hip hop, it has the participation feel. Like, oh, okay, I see this is a fun record, and, and you know these guys having fun. I could, I could go with this. You know what? Not thinking of that, you know, some of these songs that we didn't consider, like they probably would be recognizable, like Electric Side and the Cha Cha Slide, those type of songs. Yeah, yeah, they would be really recognizable. And then you, you think about it, most of the people we chose are like internationally recognized artists. Like mm -hmm. there's nobody that's local at, at all. So yeah. uh, they got a, they got a lot of songs. Then I, when I when I was thinking about it, like I know the guy Calvin Harris makes a lot of hits that go well well. Of his course. Hits, yeah, his hits are worldwide. And like all these different like international artists, they 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 seem to have a good good audience. And it's like. Anytime you go on these parties, like Shakira was a great one. Yeah, that, that they play that all the time. Mm -hmm. And you just you just look at it like it's the same artists that like you Shakira's, the Rihanna's. Mm -hmm. But then, like you said, Zayn would love it. His weekend and Michael Jackson comparison <laughs> and stuff like that. You know, he he would love that. And Yo, uh, Pitbull calls himself Mr. International, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a big record though. Like definitely, I can see that. You know what I'm thinking? Like as we talking about this. And I wonder, so we automatically, when coming up with the five, we automatically went to, you know, international and stuff like that. What if the five, you, the five you picked, do you think that five, if it was in the, in the, in the middle of the South Bronx, as far as projects, how you think people? <laughs> I think, um, I think DMX and Michael Jackson would rock. Those two. Uh, Rihanna, though, we found love. Rihanna would, Rihanna would rock. Some people might like The weekend. some of that mm -hmm. stuff. I don't, I don't know. Well, Pip, you know what? Pitbull might, depending on where you at. And with you and Forest Projects in the side. Nah, that's not going to rock that. They're going to be real upset you even put it on. That's not going to happen. Oh, man. Pitbull ain't rocking that. Yeah, but I'm right. I mean, the, the, based on where you at, the demographic would be completely different. Like, when you say it, you got to think at a larger scale because realistically, I couldn't see many of these songs appealing to the people who, who like country music and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Mean, so, but then, you know what? There's other people like, like um, I thought about some guys like, you know what might have been that? Might have been pretty good. Nelly. Um, my, Hot in here. Hot in here, yeah. 
Yeah, hot in here. Hot in here is a, is a, is a record I think that you could get it. You could you could get it off in Forest Project, and you yeah. definitely get it off in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, yep. like, you know, like something like that. Yeah, that's that's something. And I mean, I don't know how hot in here would play in some of the other countries because they're probably a secular. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's it's you know it's you think about it though it's like you know you're trying to identify those five records and really looking because automatically you go to it i need to think about what's going to resonate abroad or whatever but it, yeah. while you're thinking about what's going to resonate abroad you're like yo all right the place that i grew up may not want to hear these records yeah you know, like it, and, and I've, I've talked to other people about this and and heard other people's top um other people's five somebody said it takes two um robbie i'm like that's yes yeah, that's, that's yeah. a good one it takes two I forget what some of the other ones I, I, I heard people say, but it's, I mean, you, yo, it's, this is what DJs, I think, are tasked with all the time. You know, like if you, you book a gig sight unseen, you don't know where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yo, you going out to such and such. So then you got to go research and see what's rocking out there. You know, you know what's sad? At a point before he got into all the crazy stuff, R. Kelly had like the, when he did all them stepping songs, people would say he could have got that off at a lot of different parties everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, at this point, they. I don't know if you've seen. They gave Drake flat for um for giving him songwriter credit when he sampled on his new album, Half on a Baby. But that's not Drake's fault. If you use the man music, you got to give him credit for it. You know what? They, what it is? They want to choke his money because now he's got to get some money off of that. It's gonna give him some money. So that's, yeah. they give him resources. That's another person I thought about too when doing this worldwide thing because he's got some songs. That could possibly resonate or something like that. Um, hotline bling, maybe. Yeah, hotline bling and that. Um, I better find your love stuff. Those type yeah. of songs. Yeah. Yeah, he, he could. Did you listen to his new album? Yeah, yeah. What did you, What did you think of it? I thought it was pretty good. You know, it's funny. Everybody's not even listening to the album. They're just gauging it to say whether it's better than Kanye. What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's 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 definitely it. Like that's the litmus stick for it. Not if the content is good. Yeah. Is it better than Con Kanye's? It to me it's two completely different albums. Like the Drake yeah. album, the Drake album to me is what I expect from a Drake album. I get a lot of flack from people because I I still feel like Drake has not met a, met, made a classic album. You know, like to me, Drake one of the issues I have with him is like every album he do got like 18 to 20 some songs on it and then you know he'll have like eight really good songs if you put those eight really good songs on an album with 12 or 13 tracks then that puts you closer to a classic album yeah instead of you know a bunch of a bunch of fillers and then I, the other stuff like this album where he bugged me out with is like he got records on there where he's i think it's the second record daddy's home or something yeah it's supposed to be like a tough tough tune coming at people or whatever but it sounds so soft i'm like yeah. why is he making these kind of records where you you harmonize, you got somebody in the back harmonizing like it's a ballad, are you insulting other rappers? Yeah, I don't know the logic behind that. Like to me, Drake is Drake makes great music. He should just concentrate on making great music. Like I literally, when I was going through his album, I know the recipe and his formula for doing it. So I was like, all right, I need Drake to give me, you know, his one. Usually he gives like one really good yeah. R&B track, like, like Found Your Love. Mm -hmm. um, what was the joint he had on uh, the... The, the Views album. Like, he always, he's good for yeah. those type of joints, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I thought, to me, if you compare it to Kanye West's album, I could listen to that more than I could listen to 
Kanye West. Yeah, yeah, Kanye, Kanye went way left. Like, he got some songs that are songs, but it seemed like he was trying to make, like, in his mind, he's making art. He, you know, he don't care about whether we like it or not. It's for him. But 57 made a comment about that years ago. If you like it, you making music for yourself, playing your headphones. Like, I found it to be funny because it was like drinking Kanye got beef and everything. It's almost like two dudes throwing feathers at each other or something. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. all these subliminals and all this ridiculousness. Yeah. You wrote this and that, and I'm not gonna be friends with you no more. And I knew you were gonna turn back. I'm like, this is, this is silly. They're like a soap opera. Soap opera. Right? Yeah. I'm trying yeah. to figure out did they do this foolishness on purpose? Probably for marketing. Probably. Yeah. And then you, you listen. You listen to Drake's song. Drake's best songs. And it's usually not like this. Some of his best songs are the ones where he's got guest appearances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the funniest thing was, I, I got to give Drake credit for getting Kawhi out there in that damn suit. That's, that's, that's like, yo, when I heard that, when I heard that record, when I heard that record, I was like, yo, this is gonna be a big record. Plan. Yeah. And I think later on, I seen you text and was like, he got a video for it. But I knew I'm like, this is gonna be a big record just because the play on the sexy joint. Yeah, my mind automatically went to yo. I can see, I can see people working out to this. I can see like football players practice. I'm like, yeah, this is this dude gonna have, he gonna have a big record with this. Yeah, and then for him to get Kawhi, I'm like, man, this dude got Kawhi in the video. Yeah, yeah, you know, Kawhi laugh would be all right. They on um, they on they they on him now though about his numbers from from week one to week two the decline. Oh yeah, yeah, his numbers decline like drastically. Over more than fifty percent from week wow. one, week two, and the, the crazy thing about it is Kanye numbers went up, but Kanye dropped that thing on a Sunday or something like that. Somebody, so, you know, it's funny. Somebody's gonna say Kanye got billions of dollars. So remember the whole the old school Jay Z thing where he bought those records and put them in the warehouse. Yeah, Kanye went out and paid for his own streams or something. You know, at What's the end, the end if, if it's about money, Kanye already killed the game. No on that. way, yeah. Like, he sold that album. He may not have sold like physical copies, but yo, yeah. he sold it as an event when he did them three different. He did, I think, yeah. two in Atlanta, one in Chicago, three different times performed the album. And from the first time when you let me hear that album to when I heard it completed, it these times. It, it, yeah, but it's not for the better. I mean, his last reiteration before the company must have just pulled the plug on him, he was about to pull Jay-Z and put um, the baby on the song. So yeah. that doesn't tell you how crazy he was thinking. Yeah, yeah. But I was I tell you I've been this, watching those events. I, I'll tell you this. He guaranteed one thing, that Jay-Z will never do another verse for him. Yeah. Because I guarantee you, Jay-Z sitting around, you going to pull my verse to put the baby on the track? Is that, I, that's just trolling though because you see at Marilyn Manson at the show too yeah like Kanye was just trolling just to get just to get a, a look or, or whatever it is like they, I think that he set himself on fire on one of the shows or something like yeah, that they had, they had something going somebody was making a joke about wouldn't Kanye wait to see who won out of the dip set and, um, <laughs> the dip set. and then invited the locks and put the yeah, locks invited the locks the, <laughs> the winner gets to be on the show yeah <laughs> that's Kanye though that's Kanye for you, though. So, yo, thanks for pulling up and recording this week. We'll catch everybody next week. You know, hopefully we, we're supposed to have a, a, a good interview lined up for you all. So keep rocking with us. Have a good evening, everybody. Peace. Right.